0: You're listening to the Rodolfo Rivas Project. This is a very special episode where we got, as a guest, Roberto Zapata, the ambassador of Mexico to the World Trade Organization. In this episode, we get a chance to speak to him about his experience growing up in Mexico, how he came to be interested in international relations, and especially in international trade. A lot of this was the events going on around Uh, in Mexico, but also in the world. And he also talks about the challenges currently being faced by the organization, uh, the WTO, and how he's optimistic about the future. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm here today with uh, uh, Roberto Zapata. He's the ambassador of Mexico to the World Trade Organization. He's not only a talented ambassador, but he's also a genuinely kind uh, and decent human being. And uh, it's my honor to host uh, Roberto Zapata here
1: for a
0: conversation that I hope you will enjoy. How are you today?
1: Fine, uh, Rodolfo, thank you very much for your kind introduction, and thank you for considering me as part of uh, your project.
0: Uh, what I say is truly what I meant, and it's not only me. I've heard uh, around the hallways at the WTO. I co- constantly keep hearing that, ah, Roberto, he's a really nice human being, and I can attest to that.
1: Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that. So,
0: where where? Where does your story begin? Where, where are you from?
1: I'm, uh, I was born in Mexico City, oh, Mexico city. And, uh, but uh, in my, uh, my early years, I um, uh, was spent in the southern state of uh, Veracruz in, in Mexico. Veracruz, okay. And in fact, south of Veracruz in a city called uh, Minatitlan, my um, very early years, before moving back at the age of 9, 10, back to Mexico City. Where I spent the rest of uh, of my life, so how was growing up in Veracruz it was uh, I would say it was um, a normal uh, small town sort of uh, yeah. sort of life uh, with everything uh, um, pretty accessible with uh, with uh, not uh, much uh, stress at least for for a child uh, my my age with uh, the regular uh, chances to go out on the street and play ball and hang around with other kids so so it was pretty pretty normal uh life
0: and was the reason that your family moved to Veracruz because of some work uh, issues with your father he or with No
1: your I, th- I I would say it was rather uh the drive of my mother okay. to uh provide with his uh, 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 son and two daughters with additional uh, education, uh, perhaps with a higher profile, to get us in contact with a larger city and uh, with, uh, I would say, even the possibility of learning other languages and interacting with other people. So it was a little bit of that, of course, that coupled with her own her own uh, idea of uh, further developing her her career.
0: Okay, yeah, um, yeah that, that's uh, quite interesting. And um, when you return back to Mexico, uh, the idea was to be part of uh, also this uh, career and going to a different environment that would be more complementing your your education.
1: I think that was uh, that was the case because from the beginning in. Uh, Arriving into Mexico City um, uh, Me and my uh, my two sisters were were placed in a bilingual school. Ah, okay, so uh, From then onwards it I mean, One could tell the, the I mean it was a different route than the one I would have followed perhaps Veracruz. if I had stayed in, in, uh, in uh, South Veracruz What, what was the, the school the school was uh, Westminster school it okay. was called in so Mexico great. City and, um, and, and as I say, that uh, put me in contact with a uh, uh, different perspective of, of the world, perhaps.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. I, I attended the American School in Guadalajara, mm-hmm. and I think that that was one of the things that really marked me for the rest of my life. Right. It's just like you're in, in touch with so many people from so different backgrounds, and you get exposed to so many ideas that your worldview is just uh, expanded.
1: It is, and I, 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 I can understand what you're saying. Uh, in, in my case, um, getting into a bilingual school certainly even uh, opened the possibility to get in touch with other cultures, because uh, this school was uh, a part of, of their study plans was to also engage in uh, exchanging students even in the vacation, uh, perhaps only at least at, this, at that stage in the vacation period, but uh, nevertheless getting in, in contact with uh, with other cultures and uh, and at that time I I was uh, uh, actually engaged in those uh, exchange activities. And I had the opportunity to interact with uh, uh, families in the U.S. and uh, and also in Canada. So that certainly opens you up a whole new new world and and uh, feeds you with uh, um, many new rich perspectives in, 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 into your own perspective, right?
0: Yes, that's right. And um, while you were growing up, was there any any motivation to get into the international arena? Was that something that had any that crossed your mind at that age?
1: I am not uh, sure as to the degree of clarity at that at that stage. I mean, we're talking primary school and secondary school. Certainly, the fact that uh, that you are sent abroad and that you spend time uh, with other families hosting you mm-hmm. um, uh, for a period of uh, of time, um, certainly that. Um, uh, I would say, uh, uh, introduces you new perspectives and perhaps even you start developing a new chip uh, of, of, of ideas. Um, but I would say that at that stage, that was it. Uh, the fact that I liked um, traveling abroad and the fact that I liked the idea of being able to hold a conversation with with uh, different people in a different language but that I would say perhaps at that stage is as far as it uh, went I perhaps are more conscious of this uh, interest in in going into the uh, international relations uh, sorts of uh, disciplines at a later stage perhaps beginning high school and uh, I, I remember uh, that it was it it was something which came out of uh my uh year during high school I had the opportunity to spend in 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 uh, first in manchester and then in Bournemouth in the u k okay. uh further learning english um and then out of that activity also um being able to to have my own first uh uh, personal experiences in uh, traveling in a backpack sort of uh, mode to a, a few places. I, I have some sort of uh, remembrance that uh, it was then when I started uh, uh, becoming aware of my interest of having a, some sort of a connection to the uh, international aspects of, uh, of life and uh, i guess that from there it just uh, this interest started further developing by get, uh, uh getting into additional interaction with other cultures with uh, with uh, other uh, uh types of, of of people and um and then that developing into the the idea of uh, of uh, getting into um uh, uh, international relations uh, discipline at uh, at the university.
0: So that's uh, so this was around high school, and then this was when you decided, okay, I'll, I'll go into international relations.
1: Yes, I guess it started somehow like a, a bit of uh, an interest on the international uh, uh, things, and a bit of an interest in social aspects. Yeah. And then it began like, well, what should that be? Should that be something? Uh, around economics, or, or around uh, 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 law and legal aspects, I or around, around international <laughs> relations, then that came uh, uh, to me also. There's this discipline uh, which deals with international uh, relations, and then I started digging into that, and and I guess that um, it took uh, only uh, uh, some additional reflection for me to be convinced that... Uh, that I should go into that uh, that field at, at the university. So,
0: so this was uh, kind of your external environment, but what about around your home? Was there anything uh, within your household that was influential in you deciding
1: to pursue this? Again, similar to my comments with regards to my early years in school, in primary school, I guess that uh, what we were also, part of what we were being taught uh, of in, uh, uh, at, at home was, uh, well, other cultures uh, that um, my, my parents did a bit of, uh, of uh, traveling and they would come back home and tell us uh, we've been in this place or that place and it's about this or that. Um, then of course, uh, in, 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 in my own family life, uh, from time to time, uh, my parents would also provide us with the possibility of traveling, mainly to the U.S., which is the the, 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 closest the, the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah the yeah the, the closest uh, uh, country and and also the main attraction for uh, most uh, Mexicans when they travel ab- abroad. It's yes. it's the first uh, destination that uh, <laughs> that they go to. So and 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 the regular sort of stuff, nothing very very sophisticated. It's just going across the border or going to Disneyland or th- mm. those sorts of uh, those sorts of things at a very young age. And of course, not that that was. Uh, providing me with the clarity at that moment that I wanted to, but at to least that awareness. That well, that it yeah, it, it started raising awareness, and 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 I guess that uh, after a while, one can only reflect that one thing started leading to to another one, right? And yes. uh, until it came. Uh, uh, as a fully fledged uh, interest, uh, my desire to develop a strong connection with uh, the, uh, the uh, international dimension of uh, of things. And, and, uh, and this was
0: when you joined uh, the UNAM for your studies
1: on international relations. That's right. I I joined uh, uh, the international relations uh, bachelor degree in. Uh, in the National Mexican National uh, Autonomous University UNAM in Spanish and um and, and it was uh, I would say for um, rewarding and challenging uh, years as uh, as in any in any bachelor's uh, degree happens and um I would say that um, as, as I moved along in, in my studies, I, I became increasingly convinced and, and I, it was a reinforcing sort of a dynamic that, uh, that kept on confirming that that, that was where uh, my core professional interests would, uh, would lie. Um, in what form would that eventually evolve? Of course, I do not mean to be pretentious in saying that I I knew at that time exactly how would that evolve, or or or, or, or even that. or even if I had clarity on the sort of uh, particular field I wanted to pursue, I would be lying. Uh, <laughs> of course, at, at, at that age, as it happens with many students, you still have a wide. Uh, 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 range of of options out there, and you do, you have a lot of doubts as to what are the next steps in in your in your uh, professional life, and of course that is also being uh, fed by what's happening in your personal life as yes. well. So uh, it take it took quite uh, a few more years to uh, to have uh, additional clarity or additional specificity that would go beyond the idea of. Uh, of uh, just liasing with the international dimension of uh, of, uh, of things, right? So, so it took a bit more. But as I say, as I was uh, as I was moving forward in 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 my studies, um, um, important political events started happening in Mexico and also around the world. This was a period from '86 uh, to uh, year 1991. Yes and in 89 we 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 were witnessing the the fall of the berlin berlin wall yeah. and then the succession of events in a rather rapid manner internationally but also as they were having an impact in in mexico as well and and they were consequential and um, all of these sorts of events as i say Further uh, reinforcing uh, my interest in, in in international relations, I remember as th- these uh, things would uh, would emerge and start happening and and, uh, and, uh, and 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 being widespread in many parts of the world, I remember uh, thinking definitely I. I got it right in terms of the <laughs> discipline I, yes. I, I I chose, so, um, so I guess that it was somehow uh, reinforcing the fact that uh, that, I, that that was happening and that I was sort of uh, of uh, becoming further aware that I had taken the, the, the right, right decision.
0: decision. So yeah, as you rightly point out, those were really exciting times. With a lot of events happening uh, in a really short period of time, not unlike today, which we are also experiencing. Something similar, of course. Uh, so I guess this will also inspire the new generation of lawyers, economists, international relations professionals of the future.
1: I guess it should because it is actually inspiring ourselves, even at our at our uh, at our age, to. Um, uh, fully look at the issues with uh, a new perspective, not with the to approach them, not necessarily in the traditional way we have approached them. And also well now in the position I am holding which bears a lot of responsibility um, also to approach them seeking to understand what will be the implications for my own country and what will be the implications for the development uh, 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 for the economic development in the future in 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 my own country, so um, so yes, this can only be uh, a new dynamic which is uh, shaking up our minds, and this should also be seen as as an opportunity for those who are developing their interest in one way or another connected to the international dimensions yes. uh, uh, out there. So. Uh, I think it is a very good time for those who are considering whether or not or they are feeling inclined towards uh, walking into these disciplines this could be something uh, that uh, can actually reinforce that uh, that interest what is happening what is happening today we're into in getting into a new era and most likely uh, we will uh, uh, attest uh, uh, very uh, fast, uh, uh, dynamic changes that will end up transforming uh, the world as as we have we, known yeah, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess we'll get to that a bit, but I, I still want to hear a bit more. Uh, I guess you, while well, you were starting um, your degree, you were also pretty lucky to have access to the professionals that were actually shaping some of these... Uh, uh, policies and some of, who were making the actual decisions, because you have access through the university. Uh, how how was that? Uh, having direct contact with some of those professionals.
1: Well, I guess that uh, the um, I mean the level of deliberation of course, it's always intense, it's always high at, uh, at universities. But I guess that at that moment, it was even higher given that some of, uh, of the references uh, that had guided the uh, uh, conventional wisdom in, in, uh, in international relations uh, were being sh- uh, shaken up. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly uh, in the, the faculty I studied, um, an important uh, part of, uh, of, uh, of the staff, of professors, uh, would lean towards the uh, sort of uh, uh, Marxist, socialist kind, of, kind of, uh, of, ideologies. Uh, of ideologies, ideas. They would contrast that very very In a very stark manner, with capitalist sort of uh, of uh, way of, uh, of of thinking and and suddenly they found themselves in, in uh, with the foundations of their own thinking being being a challenge or being uh, uh, shaken by the events that were unfolding uh, with the demise of uh, of, uh, of the Soviet Union, so accessing that uh, having a direct first-hand contact with, uh, with those sorts of, uh, of uh, professionals uh, do motivate you to not to uh, be wedded to one particular set of ideas or ideologies or way of open. thinking, but to be open and mm-hmm. to listen from everybody. And of course, that, it's, that also entails an important degree of confusion. Yeah, <laughs> because you cannot uh, at 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 times it's too much too much for you to be able to process to to digest and to come up with some sort of uh, your own um, solid robust way of seeing the reality. You have like many tools and many references at hand, and 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 you're testing all of all of uh, yeah. all of uh, all of them, and. Um, I guess that that was important uh, in in uh, interacting with uh, with my with my uh, professors uh, interaction with professionals uh, in the field of trade I would say came uh, um, years after ah, so um, it was
0: not uh, because I always assumed that that was one of the advantages that some students had going to the the UNAM instead of like going to another university because you had access to professionals or,
1: or, or maybe that was something that changed later on not not necessarily I mean what the sort of advantage I would say one could have at the National University is that what you have there is is truly representative of, uh, of uh, Mexico society yeah. in terms of the diversity mm-hmm that uh, That you will have uh, there in terms of the uh, social echelons that will be represented in a classroom and 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 that that uh, contributes with uh, a very rich uh, sort of uh, interaction or deliberation on a day to day basis, hearing the different views around around uh, yeah, the yeah, classroom mm-hmm. coming from. Uh, in some cases, uh, from uh, privileged uh, uh, students, and in other cases, with students that would struggle yeah. uh, to to make ends meet. Um, but that was truly representative of the, of the diversity of the Mexican society. Of the Mexican society. So I guess that that does contribute a lot with uh, with uh, and, and 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 shapes you and on, on, and has an impact in, in 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 developing your own your own uh, sense of. Uh, or your own perspective of what the reality of your country is and yeah. how that uh, also connects with the international uh, dimension um i i would say that that is one of the main assets of uh, studying in uh, in the national university in in mexico but the trade relationship or connections came came years after as i as i Um, uh, uh, went for my master's degree in uh, in the UK so So it was not during your when you were
0: concluding your studies you were still undecided in which area you would want to Uh,
1: uh, perhaps at that moment uh, my uh, instinct perhaps would uh, have me gravitate a little bit towards diplomacy and the foreign service
0: yeah th- because uh, of the berlin wall and uh-huh.
1: hmm. um, and um certainly um, i i did have attempts to uh join the foreign service and 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 go to the uh, school of diplomats, which I did for a time several circumstances um, came into place afterwards and um And and then, including uh, family businesses, which uh, at some point attracted me for 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 some time. But uh, I would say that if uh, perhaps one of the most uh, transcendental decisions in. In my professional life, had to do with taking the decision to go study a master's degree abroad.
0: This was how long after
1: you concluded your degree? Some uh, must have been some what some four or five years, perhaps after three, three to five years. My five years, my memory doesn't serve <laughs> me well at this stage, but uh, yeah, between uh, three to f- yeah, around three, three to four years. So yeah. at this
0: time, you already had some. Uh, working experience. You had already been outside, perhaps not working directly in international relations, but you already knew a bit of what it is to work. And then also, uh, at the same time, the WTO was being formed and NAFTA. So I guess
1: this all influenced you somehow? Of course, uh, that uh, that was... uh, I mean after my my uh, my studies i and as i said i did make this attempt and then i went on to to work in in, in the family businesses which had no relationship mm. at all to the uh, international dimension but nevertheless i kept on following uh, the mm-hmm. event, events uh, as they as they evolved And, of course, one major event for Mexico was the the negotiation of uh, of, uh, NAFTA. And I remember somehow vividly um, the concern of uh, then-President Salinas, of uh, the way that uh, international events were unfolding and, and, uh, and his realization that that was capturing the attention largely of international investors. And uh, he came up with some sort of a a message to international investors, telling them that they should not be fully enchanted or captivated by that, uh, because there were other uh, uh, alternatives for their investments uh, to flourish. And one of them, of course, was uh, was uh, place, placing them in Mexico, believing in the Mexican economy. And to reinforce that, I guess, is that he came up with this uh, um, proposal to uh, negotiate a free trade agreement uh, with the U.S. and then the Canadians uh, 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 were incorporated into this dynamic. But that totally changed the or determined the, the, the economic debate in mexico going forward and certainly i was following that up and i said there's something happening at the trade uh, in the trade part of of uh, of international relations because there's this nafta going on this president is talking to the uh investors at that moment we had the the the, the um, uh, the beginnings of what came to be known as the globalization, global markets, and so on. And then the WTO was also coming to the forefront. In uh, in my studies, I had uh, devoted a bit of attention to the Asia-Pacific region, and then APEC was also emerging and yeah. was also being consolidated. So there were all these things happening. And whilst I was uh, somehow engaged in in family uh, uh, in, in in the family business i i thought i need to go back to that because there's a lot of that happening i need to reconnect yeah. to to that and, and 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 i am and i i felt certain anxiety that i was uh, i was uh, deviating from uh, from that interest and the way i found to get back to that was by deciding to go study abroad a masters degree one in international political economy in the UK okay. the university of warwick and that proved uh, to uh, be also the beginnings of of uh, of my current professional uh, path it started putting me back into my own areas of uh, of uh, interests and uh, and uh, again, one thing started leading to, to another one in a rather fortunate manner, I would, uh, would say. And, and so when you were in the UK,
0: um, how was it when you came back to Mexico after your studies? What was that experience? Uh, because that's something that I'm constantly being asked by young students who are finishing their, their, their degrees and they don't know what's the next step. How did that manifest for you? Well, in a
1: very particular manner because when I came back, perhaps it was uh, not the best moment to come back to Mexico, because uh, Mexico was in the midst of uh, what came to be known as the tequila uh, crisis. Yeah. Right? And that, that was back in, in um, late '95 when I came back. And uh, I basically had to spend to uh, exert a lot of patience <laughs> and, uh, and rely to an extent to my, uh, my parents somehow sheltering me uh, because I couldn't fi- find a job. And, and, and there were several months uh, of, uh, of a situation that I had to endure before being able to join the Ministry of Economy, which was, uh, at that time, it was called Sekofi, the uh, uh, Ministry of uh, uh, Commerce and and, and Industry. Um, That was, since I came back, perhaps one of my targets, if not my main target. I wanted to join the, the ministry because I knew that was... Where the people who had negotiated NAFTA uh, uh, were at, where the the trade, the following international trade policy uh, activities uh, was happening, mm-hmm. it was being uh, being nurtured and being driven by the Ministry of Economy at that time, and that was that's where I I sort of uh, set my my objective, but it it took quite a while, and uh, it 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 also entailed knocking uh, quite a few doors, and having patience, and and trying to to keep on coming back to those people I I knew were were at the Ministry of Economy, and uh, and trying to rely on some uh, references and recommendations and so on until the opportunity opened okay. and it did open at a uh, rather uh, 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 low level uh, entry Okay. and uh, I, while i was trying to at that time uh, be more ambitious i nevertheless decided to go for that and uh, on this understanding that i had very little experience if any on the trade issues and that i would need to to uh, train myself into into those issues before aiming at uh, at uh, at the higher echelons, right? Uh, so so the the master's degree wouldn't do the whole the whole <laughs> trick for me, and and I I think it was a bit unrealistic for me to to think that way. But uh, nevertheless, I did uh, I did got an entry level at uh, at the Ministry of Economy and. Uh, from then onwards, uh, my whole professional life. Yes, so that is uh, pretty
0: interesting that you mentioned that uh, you have to start somewhere. And that realization sometimes is difficult to, to face. But I think, uh, I mean, in your case was also the, the case. So I guess that's the case for everyone.
1: Right, willing to, to start from, uh, from the entry levels, be humble enough, even if you have a... Um, a uh, robust academic uh, preparation or a nice degree with you, uh, one has to be humble enough to also understand that, uh, that one needs to uh, uh, prepare itself and train itself in the real uh, professional uh, uh, uh part right yes. Yes. and that there are others who m- may not necessarily have the, the uh, academic background but have been quite Working. a while uh, doing their own work and they have developed their own skills and and they are uh, um, also equally or even better qualified uh, than 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 one so it's extremely important to be In able to parts. realize that yeah. one has to to develop those, uh, those skills on the ground as well. Yes. And,
0: uh, well, you came in at a really interesting time. I mean, it was after NAFTA, or the whole world, because I think that before, uh, I was young at the time, but I remember, like, listening about the WTO and NAFTA, like, everywhere it was. I don't know if that was because it was in Mexico, and Mexico took certain, maybe, interest in these topics, but I remember this was everywhere. How did you perceive this uh, when you were already working in these areas?
1: Yeah, I was already working in... I would be biased, perhaps, uh, in my my perception because I was already working in the uh, 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 vice ministry that was uh, directly in charge of following up international trade negotiations, including our... uh, um, FTAs and uh, which were c- currently being implemented, and those that we that were at that time being pursued, along with our own uh, um, initial activity as a member of, uh, of uh, as a founding member of, uh, of the WTO. So, those were the early years of yeah. uh, the international trade agenda. We're talking about, uh, we're talking year 96, uh, 97, 98, when all this started uh, evolving, and, and of course, it was. Uh, it was a, um, um, a high moment for uh, the international uh, trade agenda, and uh, and it also looked like uh, like uh, a, a sort of a new world that was opening to to and, and new opportunities that were opening for for many, given the globalization phenomena and the increasing importance of. Uh, developing presence in in uh, markets abroad and of course in the case of mexico uh, the fact that we were we were um, uh, engaging in a very intense negotiating agenda after nafta with our latin american partners and then the european union israel japan and also our activity in uh, in apec Our uh, endless activity at the North American level, because despite the fact that you have uh, the the agreement in place, that we had the agreement in place, NAFTA, uh, agreements do entail a lot of uh, of follow-up and uh, monitoring and Hmm. administration and follow-up of uh, of, uh, uh, committees and so on. And the WTO itself, so there was a lot of uh, very intense activity uh, going on and uh, uh, internationally and this was happening and one thing was coming shortly after the other, so we've, uh, we were finalizing uh, our, our uh, negotiation with the EU and, uh, and, and, and some in the uh, vice ministry were already preparing the ground for eventually launching a negotiation uh, with, uh, with Japan while at the same time uh, the Doha uh, round was on the making mm. and everything seemed to be interconnected. And those were also very interesting moments for, uh, for a public official to be engaged in, in international yeah. trade, I should say.
0: Well, uh, I think Mexico has always been a key player in the international trading, the multilateral and across several I think they even—I would say that Mexico even punched above their their weight. They have always been uh, there, and, uh, and you mentioned Carlos Salinas de Gortari. I think that at one point he was even considered to be one of the first—the first DG the first or something like that.
1: Right, and that was uh, perhaps one of the reasons, which uh, 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 by which the WTO was a sort of uh, uh, catchy acronym in. Uh, in uh, the public discussions in Mexico because there was an interest of a former president in yeah. seeking to run for, for a DG of this organization. That uh, ended up not, uh, not being the case, but nevertheless, again, because th- uh, the NAFTA negotiation had left uh, a very important uh, impact on Mexican politics, on the Mexican public debate. Then, as a consequence, international trade also had been placed uh, uh, a prominent role in the public uh, debate, and that included the WTO, but also our uh, approaches, our approximations with uh, Latin American countries and and the others I've also also, uh, mentioned. And we were doing so at a time when very few other uh, actors... Around the world, were engaging in uh, in in FTA negotiations with major partners. We were um, after Singapore. We were the first to 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 uh, or, 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 or yeah, the, the, the second to to strike a negotiation an FTA outcome with uh, with the Japanese. Of course, the European Union had had already, by then, uh, uh, quite a number of negotiations, but uh, we were the first uh, um, country in the Americas to engage in a negotiation with, uh, with the EU as well. And then Israel as well, and then the EFTA countries. So yes, we were, we were uh, playing a prominent role, or we have uh, sought to play a prominent role uh, ever since we undertook to, to insert Mexico into the international markets, to decide that Mexico had to play a role in global value chains, uh, that it had uh, an important role to play in the trans-Pacific value chain that would run from Asia and would end up in, in North America, so um, there was clarity in that, uh, in that uh, vision, and for that vision to, to be executed, it did require a lot of uh, activism at the international level. So, yeah, Mexico
0: does have a pretty robust network of FTAs, and I'm just wondering, like, what has been your experience? How does this translate to the the companies, the small companies that are in Mexico, how do they benefit? How do they uh, are aware of these uh, agreements for them to actually uh, join and benefit
1: from them? I guess that um, um, this is always a, a this is a permanent challenge for a, a country like Mexico to be able to...
0: I think not only for Mexico. But... No, it's
1: not not only for Mexico, but yeah, the challenge uh, is always for a country to develop the right set of policies to be able to have a trickle-down effect to, to the small and medium enterprises. And uh, in some sectors, one can be successful, and in others, clearly the challenges uh, uh, are still out there. Um, for example the the automotive sector is one of the uh, successful sectors where companies in mexico were able to reinvent themselves and insert themselves in a very competitive manner into the value chains uh, international the the, uh, regional or or global value chains that uh, that uh, are um, constructed around the automotive uh, sector and that includes small and medium enterprises that have been able to um, either make themselves international by exporting uh, to uh, plants manufacturing uh, operations in the US or in Canada or by indirectly becoming international by selling to uh, uh, other uh, producers in Mexico uh, That. Would use their inputs to be incorporated into a product that will be uh, further incorporated into into a car or into an uh, uh, a tier two product that will be later exported. Right. Yes. So it's sort of an indirect sport or an, uh, export or indirect uh, way of engaging in in international uh, markets. And this has been somehow successful in cases like uh, the auto industry. The electric, electronic uh, uh, industry, um, the healthcare, the aerospace, yeah. to an extent. But of course, there's a still a lot of uh, homework to do in in Mexico to be able to take these to many more small and and medium enterprises to sort of uh, of uh, diversify the benefits and. And avoid having them being concentrated in a number of companies or in a number of uh, of sectors. So um, there's challenges. Uh, we do have a an important network of uh, free trade agreements. We do have um, a very robust um, uh, market access uh, uh, being uh, also. Um, uh, supported uh, with a, an institutional framework, but we need to exercise better exercise those opportunities. Go from from the opportunity that is in paper to the opportunity to in, the in, in, in 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 reality mm-hmm. for many many sectors as well.
0: And um, well, while well, this all was going on, your career in the eventually it became the Ministry of Economy, the Secre- Secretary of Economy. Uh, when when does this opportunity to become ambassador present uh, itself and how does it work if you can tell well, it well it, it, it,
1: it was presented at uh, only very recently um, my my career in the ministry of economy went from uh, being a um, uh, theme Based uh, agriculture, uh, industry, market access, uh, tariffs, then rules of origin, a bit, and, and those sorts of issues. I was moved on to on to uh, regional responsibility or geographical responsibility, uh, and um, which had to do with uh, Asia Pacific, and which had to do with international organisations. Yeah, uh, it was not, I should say. And something where I had set my attention on Geneva, um, but again, this came out as a consequence of of, uh, of uh, the developments that are being guided by your uh, professional performance. Yeah. and and then I I um, I was engaged through. Well, through my whole time in in the ministry, uh, and uh, perhaps uh, more so in the last uh, eight to ten years, in a very intense agenda of uh, negotiations and of traveling abroad, and uh, in, in in more recent years, uh, being focused in the in TPP in the TPP yeah. negotiations, I was the chief negotiator for. For TPP on behalf of Mexico, TPP 12, the, the process, and um, and after that, I I really thought that I could. Uh, it would be hard for me to continue with that pace. I I thought I had somehow reached uh, my limits of what is bearable for my personal life. To travel all the time and be being, yeah. being abroad, being away from your family. Yeah. This was really taking a toll at, my, at, at yeah. my family life as well. So I thought I'm, there may, I may be reaching the point where I will have to reinvent myself because uh, um, I do not see myself uh, 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 doing this in the years to come. And if you want to remain connected to uh, the international trade issues, basically this is what you're asked to mm-hmm. to do so i think that was uh, somehow i was entering a period of uh, soul searching maybe and then that's why as, as a result perhaps of that i had my my boss approach me and and ask me would you be interested in such an opportunity and i thought of course as long as as this is done the right way because I also was very close friend to my previous uh, my predecessor and Mm. I and I said as long as we ensure that this is done the right way with the proper transitions and so on I I I certainly would be interested in in making those uh, considerations and that's how I I ended up uh, coming here and and I find it uh, very rewarding being here because I also came at a time, at a very opportune time, where uh, challenges uh, uh, are, are, uh, are becoming evident, challenges yes. for the organization. So, uh, so uh, from the intellectual point of view, challenges are always welcome as part of our professional uh, That's true. Career, right, and that's and that's what makes us of... feel alive, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So, so, yes, I think it's uh, I. That was fortunate for me, also being able to come here at uh, at a timely moment.
0: And uh, well, I want to ask you about uh, so you had been tracking all of these developments in the multilateral trading system uh, from your perspective, dealing with Asia and, and this. What, uh, having had that experience and coming now to the WTO, what has been your experience in seeing the challenges that we face now and
1: how we're going to approach them? Um, I think that we are constantly, given the nature of the challenges that we are facing, we're constantly developing our minds as to how best these challenges should be tackled from our country perspective. Uh, Of course, we have very clear um, uh, objectives, one of them being uh, we cannot live without a multilateral trading system. A nation like Mexico is is, uh, dependent upon having a very robust set of uh, multilateral rules that govern uh, international trade and that lay the the platform uh, upon which we start building more ambitious uh, initiatives. But absent that platform, the rest starts uh, making less sense, perhaps. Or uh, at at the very least, you would find yourself uh, with... uh, 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 instruments uh, institutional efforts that do not would not complement themselves against the background of a, a wider more comprehensive uh, set of uh, rules provided by the multilateral trading system so our objective main objective is we need to preserve the multilateral trading system we need to preserve the health of uh, of uh, of the rules and for that to happen we we are understanding that the organization has to undergo a certain reform process, that uh, some rules may need to be updated, uh, but at the same time that the organization also has to serve the purposes of uh, of um, having uh, um, uh, LDCs, for example, uh, be able to reap the benefits of, uh, of global markets. And for that to happen, they may not be ready to undertake certain obligations. Right? Yeah. So all this and many other factors come, come into mind as we, we constantly revisit our, our positions in each of, uh, of, uh, of the issues. Traditionally, Mexico has been a middle ground uh, country. Uh, we have uh, experienced uh, with a high level of, ambitions, uh, of ambition in many trade disciplines, but we also understand that um, the right uh, toolbox at the domestic level to undertake uh, such commitments, the ability to be able to implement such commitments and the time needed for that to happen is absolutely critical. As well, you do not want to undertake commitments that you will not be able to to uh, to fulfill. Yes. So I guess that that is also um, something that has to be taken taken into account, particularly when you talk about uh, such a diverse world as uh, as uh, the multilateral trading system, as the WTO, as uh, a universe of one hundred and sixty four members.
0: I, I often say that whenever we reach an international agreement is nothing short than a miracle because it's truly a miracle. Uh, I think that was easier happening before when the world was a bit less complex. Now the world is multipolar and you have to, like you mentioned, getting all these members to
1: agree on something is very challenging. Indeed and uh, we should strive at least, that's uh, Mexico's view. We should strive to be able to uh, identify the the middle ground or or the sweet spot for for every uh, issue under under negotiation, and uh, that will not be necessarily uh, what uh, we are able to. Uh, get us an outcome at our uh, bilateral level or our uh, regional level. Though in many cases, I think it's worth uh, uh, trying getting there. But also, we will have to take into account what are what are uh, the needs of those less favoured or mm-hmm. those less experienced or those even less willing to undertake uh, by whatever reasons undertake certain certain obligations. It's about finding. The middle ground, and that's the only way you will be able to move forward uh, in a multilateral uh, place. I mean, amongst the hundred and sixty-four members, it's it will be very hard. It's it's hard to think that. Uh, the least ambitious or the most ambitious or the extreme position is the one that, uh, that will prevail. That is not, that is not yes. something tenable at the multilateral level. I've
0: heard say that a good agreement is an agreement where everyone is equally unhappy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, a, that's a, w- a good way of uh, measuring an outcome, I believe. Yeah.
0: And uh, well, now you're, you're heading, you're the chair of the fisheries subsidy negotiation. Uh, I think this is one of the areas where everyone, even beyond our world of international trade, the world at large is looking to have a, an outcome. But uh, how do you see, I mean, I've seen that you've been active, really active, and you've been uh, handed this task that is very complex. How are you approaching it? Um...
1: Okay, I think that um, it's important to, first, in, 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 in uh, getting these responsibilities, I thought it, it was important to enable the proper atmosphere for people to talk to each other beyond their traditional talking points, yeah. beyond their traditional country positions. Of course, that is something you are not able to attain uh, from one day to to the other, this is something that takes quite some time to to be built but uh, if if that is that is uh, um, uh, an outcome, then the next um, the next the, the consequence is that perhaps you will start seeing uh, fresh thinking into the scu- into the discussion, new ideas into the discussion that go beyond reiterating positions and that start um, signaling whether a, a next member is willing to consider the other view or something in between. So it's important in, in the fisheries discussions to be able to enable that atmosphere for that sort of dynamic to happen. And as I say, that will take time now once we are there, um, I mean, the clock is ticking, yes. right? And once we're, when, once we're there, we need to be fully cognizant that the clock is ticking, actually, and we need to be fully cognizant that we, we, we can allow ourselves to depart from our traditional uh, positions um, without necessarily that implying that we are giving up Our national interest right there are several ways to reflect uh, your your national interest and I guess that it's a matter of how open you are to to uh, placing yourself in a position uh, that allows you to exchange ideas in an open manner back and forth and see whether that moves you to a middle ground that does not necessarily uh, compromise in a harmful manner your own uh, position your own country position so uh,
0: this so. kind of flexibility that you are mentioning, where does it reside? Does it reside, um, it doesn't reside at the technical level. Is it something more at the ambassador level? How much flexibility does an ambassador, well, you cannot speak for others, but like in your case, how much flexibility, for example,
1: does an ambassador have to play within this well, the reality, the reality is also, I mean, the issue is complex. It's uh, very technical. So ambassadors, unavoidably, uh, will, will, to an extent, have to uh, rely on their technical people. So it is important for the technical people to understand also that they will have to feed their ambassadors eventually into in, engaging in this discussion. And for that to happen, they will have to prepare the ground for a constructive conversation ideally to to take place. So if if we work with that uh, understanding, then uh, we, we can place ourselves in the position where ambassadors engage constructively and feel more comfortable both with the information they are being given or the orientation they are being given by their technical people but also by their uh, uh, they will feel more comfortable also with matching that with their own larger, uh, more comprehensive view of uh, of uh, of the issue at stake, and how does that uh, does that uh, uh, impact the larger photograph, including the other important dimension beyond the traditional fisheries dimension, which is. Uh, uh, to an important extent, an environmental uh, dimension, coupled with uh, with the trade dimension and the social dimension. Yeah. Um, but the the other larger dimension is the the um, how does this, or what sort of an impact this has on 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 the WTO. Uh, how does uh, where does this place the WTO? If we are able to get an outcome, and where does it place it? If we are not able to, to get an outcome, and that is larger than the fisheries file itself. So um, this is a dimension that uh, that can also, uh, uh, as I mentioned, that that ambassadors have in a clearer manner and can certainly contribute to the discussions uh, in in this particular area.
0: Yes, well, uh, because as long. Since I've been working with this topic, I've always heard that the WTO is in crisis, but somehow this time around it feels different. It feels graver. It feels uh, I'm generally pessimistic, but I've chosen to be optimistic about this because I think that when a challenge this big faces, there's an opportunity to actually make some change for the better.
1: Right. Right. So. So we we have to be mindful of that I mean these are these are I I would say this time is different and uh, we have heard uh, some say that uh, we have to uh, to be able to move forward because otherwise we run the risk of uh, having the organization uh, fall into irre- into irrelevance hmm. and I think that that's the worst situation for an, an an organization to place itself. And members have to, to be aware of that. We have to avoid having this house fall into irrelevance because if that happens, then getting back to the point where it's relevant again will be very, very hard. So uh, we've come this far. Um, It required a lot of uh, of, uh, high uh, political um, drive and long-term vision from from the previous uh, generations and from high-level politicians back in 1994-1995 to be able to come up with this institution. And I think it would be very responsible if we do not uh, live up to the challenge that the current reality is uh, putting us against, which is you need to improve this organization. You need to avoid having the organization fall into uh, irrelevance. We have to avoid, by all means, that from uh, happening. And you are optimistic about this? I have to be optimistic, (laughs) certainly. I have to put all of my energy into, into this, and I think that every single member should be uh, should be doing so
0: yes well uh, I completely agree and I think uh, we're being tested but uh, there's also right now at the moment a lot of activity in the WTO that uh, I hadn't seen since a long time and Mm -hmm. members are committed members want to find solutions and that really gives good signals and
1: makes me feel like we're heading somewhere. Right, right. I think we have to think uh, that way. We have to be positive about this.
0: Well, uh, thank you very much, Roberto. On that positive note, Uh, I want to thank you for being here and sharing a bit of your story and your views on on these issues.
1: On the contrary, my pleasure. And thank you very much for uh, considering me to be part of uh, of, uh, this uh, project happy to hopefully have contributed to it. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you.